Hey guys, Greg here. If you're struggling with maximizing midlife or any stage of your life, I encourage you to check out my new guide, the No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife and Getting Back What Matters Most. In the guide, I cover my three core principles that have helped me to become a better man, husband, father, provider, and athlete. I have been able to simplify my life, reduce stress and anxiety, perform at a higher level, earn more, be happier, and have more fun. And I wanted to share not just my why, but my how with all of you. So to get your free copy, go to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide, or follow me on Instagram where I hang out at Greg Scheinman. There's a link in my bio there to also download the guide. Filthy Foods CEO, entrepreneur, founder, uh, long-time friend of mine. We'll get into get into that. Uh, happy to have you here today. Long time coming. Happy to be here, mate. Really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, of course. So we're gonna we're gonna jump right in because we also just came from about an hour long lunch and touched on so many different things and hopefully we don't lose lose too much of the magic and bring it and bring it back on on here. Um, but when I set out to to do do a podcast and kind of get involved with the kind of midlife male concept of, of balance and happiness and entrepreneurship and fatherhood and family and health and, and all this stuff that we touch, touch on, you couldn't be more of like the quintessential guy just to sit down and, and, and chat with about this. So first I, I want to ask you about what, what is filthy foods? Mm-hmm. Okay, filthy foods. So uh, it's a garnish company. Essentially, we do garnishes for cocktails. So uh, olives and cherries and anything that you would find in drinks, they used to be really a commodity item. It didn't add anything to the drink. It didn't anything, add anything to the story the bartender wanted to tell. And they were just pretty shitty, really poor quality. And, and um, as we became more conscious of of a cocktail being as good as its worst ingredient, areas of the bar that weren't evolving were being exposed. And so olives would come in these big gallons and and they just didn't really contribute anything. And so my brother, who's my partner in the company, he and I spent two years looking at 200 varieties of cultivatable olives, uh, created a natural fermentation process. And so we are now the standard in cocktails for anybody that cares about the details. So... Uh, whether it's uh, blue cheese stuffed olives or beautiful amarina cherries from northern Italy, or uh, we're that we're that detail within the drink that just makes it better. Which is which is awesome, but what now jumps out at me also is the idea for where filthy came from, mm. and kind of the the background, kind of confidence, um, yeah. steps that you took to go from idea to execution. Because yeah, there are tons of ideas out there, and and in particular, olives have been out there, cherries yeah. have been out there. The idea of and the belief that you had to let's do something different, let's make it better, and yes, I'm the guy to actually be able to execute that and, and yeah. get that get that done. Well, I, I didn't know if I was the guy to get that done. <laughs> 
it just turns out I became the guy that got it done. You know, uh, when I started, that you know, really, it's about being in, being present and being in the moment. So, the world moves particularly quickly, and I was sitting in bars, and as things were sort of happening around, and better uh, spirits, and better trained bartenders, and at the time, this was sort of two thousand and seven. Uh, you know, the economy was going into a pretty bad space. And so everybody in hospitality, I think, was just so grateful that you were coming and spending money in their bar or their restaurant. So they became much more conscious about really giving you the best experience they possibly could. And so being in that space when everybody was moving and trying to create beautiful things, cocktail garnishes that sat in these trays at the end of the bar were just something that everybody was really unhappy with and nobody wanted to include them in the drinks, but it was almost like there, there was no other solution. My brother was a documentary maker and he uh, was coming back from making, from spending a few years in Iraq doing a documentary on special forces out there. And I said to him, you know, do you want to come and look at garnishes? Do you want to come and look at olives with me? And he said, well, how long do you think it will take? And I said, well, I think it will probably take us three or four months. I don't know. But it ends up being 700 varieties of olives. <laughs> and and I think as people, we're just, I think anything we've done, we've tried to do our best. And so it just meant that we weren't satisfied with just going to a few regions or talking to a few people or, you know, walking around the olive bar at Whole Foods and sort of picking one. We sort of, wanted to understand really how it worked so that irrespective of what came along or what pressure was applied to us, we knew that our foundation was solid, absolutely rock solid. And so it just really became, Mark's 10 and a half months younger than me. So it became a little bit of a, a journey of two brothers really reconnecting as adults because as mm -hmm. kids, you're so close. And then to have your own identity, you rebel against each other and end up doing different things in different places. And, it was, as I said, he came back from doing this documentary in Iraq and he was transitioning and I'd uh, scaled a business and sold a business. And and I said to him, you know, do you want to come and explore olives? And so it was a time for he and I to really reconnect. And it just so happened that it took us down this rabbit hole. And um, now within the business, he breathes in and I breathe out. So. And what is, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that you're breathing out and, and he's breathing in. Mm. Um, you know, as it pertains to kind of delegation of duties and yeah. responsibilities, you know, and people, partnerships are tough. Yeah. And partnerships with families are tough. Yeah. And, and working together and that dynamic um, is really interesting. So how do you guys set that up? Yeah. And then how do you respect that or, or maybe not sometimes? Yeah. 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 I think so gray line, gray areas is really where the shit happens, right? I mean, that's really what happens. So, it's not that things are tough. It's that, as you said, when things aren't defined, you get into gray areas and then it's not clear who's supposed to be leading. So any area inside the business is really about the person most qualified to lead. So when I say he breathes in, anything that happens inside the building is Mark. So production, operations, making sure we pay people on time, making sure we get paid. It's very simple. The, when you open the door out into the street, into the world, that's where I live. So mm -hmm. making people feel something about what we do, who we partner with, um, our route to market, 
anything that happens outside the building is me. And that makes it really, really clear. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, then there are certain areas that are, that we can debate and we are, I don't want to create the wrong impression. Filthy is like internally, it's like Sparta, right? I mean, we go at it. Um, our job is to sharpen our swords against the other so that whatever we create and whatever we do, it's so pressure tested that when it goes out into the world, it's going to survive. It's like two parents with children, you know, when you let them out, you don't want them to just wander across the street aimlessly and get run over. You know, you want them to be prepared. And so it's your job, our jobs as, as the founders, as the people most responsibility, most responsible for the business to really pressure test each idea. Now, certain things I lead on because it's the areas I feel most joy or most comfortable in and there's areas where he leads in because he's most mm-hmm. qualified to do that. But then the other stuff, we go at it because it's not about he or I, it's about filthy or that particular area of the, of the business being able to survive and then thrive. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you've kind of done this before. You, you had a business and you scaled it and you sold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not your first go around in, in this. Tell me a little bit about that business and kind of your experiences and, and yeah. stories in that area that led you to also be able to, yeah. to, to go at it again. I think I might go back a little bit further. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> you know, I think um, there are tr- clues all the way through my existence that said I was supposed to be an entrepreneur. And it wasn't because anybody showed me how to do it. It's because innately... I was doing things that entrepreneurs do. Um, you know, on a Friday night, we used to get candies. There was four of us under four. So Mark's 10 months younger, and then there were twins two and a half years later. And so on a Friday night, my mum would take a candy jar off the shelf. We'd all take a candy, one candy a week. And I would get my own jar and save the candies. And then when I spent my pocket money on more candies, so until my jar was filled and I'd invite all the kids from the neighbor, neighborhood over and we would, I'd set up stuff in the backyard and they would throw like a ball to knock down some tins and they would pay to come in or pay to go on the different <laughs> things and then they would win the candies that I had collected. There was, there's a whole load of stuff all the way through. And then, but I wasn't, I don't think, particularly connected with who I was. You know, there was a lot of reasons through early life that made me feel like I wasn't um, capable or I wasn't uh, going to be successful or, you know, very dyslexic as a child, incredibly dyslexic. So I would leave the room when they were going around and making the kids read aloud. I'd come up with some excuse. And being dyslexic at that time, you know, you become a really good listener and you become a really good problem solver because you have to move forward. You can't just die, right? Mm-hmm. So listening to people and then problem solving, listening and problem solving. And so all the way through, that's who I was. Somebody that listened, mm-hmm. that was present, and then problem solved. But because you don't feel good about yourself or you're trying to find out who you are or where you're, what you're supposed to do or what success looks like and all of those things that kind of push you all over the place, um, I tried lots of different things, you know, and <laughs> some of them were, <laughs> some of them worked, some don't. But I've, I've always been, I think, uh, brave enough 
to jump and then build my wings on the way down. Like I didn't have to have it perfectly thought out. And if I smashed myself on the sidewalk, I would pick myself back up and, and get back into the game. So, um, so always like that. And then, uh, through one of these stages in my life ended up becoming a going to drama school which i i wish every kid in the world could go to drama school mm-hmm. i know it sounds strange but i was going to ask you if, you, if your background in drama and, and yeah. acting and performing yeah um, you know plays a big part in the fact that again you're outside anything outside the walls yeah. you know is is you you're out there performing that 3 years gave me an opportunity to take a good look at myself and it was pre-social media so you didn't really have to have a public and a private persona you could just work on yourself in a womb-like environment and you'd get up in front of people and make a fool of yourself when perhaps for a whole load of uh, a whole lot of years you didn't want to be foolish in front of people because you didn't want to be judged in that way right so so it gave me this ability to just understand why I was the way that I was and did that suit me like, is that going to make me powerful, uh, capable? So from there, um, you know, getting recruited in the Royal Shakespeare Company. So think about it like this, a dyslexic kid ending up becoming a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company. It's like climbing Everest with like one leg. It's like, it's fucking impossible. It's like, it's impossible. Um, and then meeting my wife and having our eldest and then thinking, shit, how am I going to support a family literally earning a few hundred dollars a week treading the board and then all of those things in that nine months of her becoming a mum and evolving me evolving into the second that Eden was born thinking okay what does it mean to be a dad and for me that means being able to provide uh, being able to make them feel safe and so that took me back to the states uh, to a uh, pickle company that was in Florida that I'd got involved in and that was doing really badly. And where I live, there's no ego. You know, I've, I articulate it in this way that I really don't care what people think about me. I, 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 I'm beyond that now. But I care deeply about how they feel when I, they're around me. So what they think, it doesn't cost them anything. So quite frankly, I could give a fuck. But what they feel... Do I make their lives better? Do I uh, do they feel safe around me? All of those things. I'm very conscious of that. So um, I just got involved in that environment and and asked a load of questions. Why do you do that like that? Well, don't you know? No, I have no idea. What? So why do you do that? Well, actually, we don't really know why we do that, but we've been doing it like that for like ten years. But but it's not working, is it? Oh, okay. So right. So let's just turn it around. Let's try it this way. Do you mind? No, we don't mind because the business is on its arse anyway, right? So let's just try it. Oh, that works. Okay. And then taking that business that was a really joyless environment to a place where people looked forward to going and trying to develop a culture and then really being proud of the work that we did. And then the result of that is people notice and your business becomes more successful. So it's like, People sometimes focus on the result as opposed to the thing, and then the result is inevitable if you really love that thing or spend right. time and yeah. energy there. Scaled that business, uh, got offered uh, the opportunity to be part of a, another company where some of the owners own the same business. That company was running uh, two and a half days a week, 
and it was in five states and we scaled that business from uh, five states to 30 states and and then uh, sold that business more pickles or just... no meat the meat side of the business the so, yes okay. which is amazing because meat is such a commodity right uh so being in a business where you would negotiate with people over a few cents a pound yep. made me really conscious that i did not want to be in a commodity business mm-hmm. because ultimately um a cynic knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. So you're around a lot of people that are very cynical. They don't care about the quality. They just care about the price. Mm-hmm. And so that gave me a, a real understanding. of. I, I learned a huge amount about business, but also the type of business I didn't want to be in. I understood. Yeah, and I actually uh, spent quite a bit of time uh, at a beef company uh, mm. within Texas, too, in the end. Yeah. It's on the board and it's on the wall. Yeah. All day. You know, every day you yes. can see exactly what's moving and exactly what yeah. price and exactly what's going on in yeah. the market. So you shifted into the into obviously the quality, okay? Yeah. The quality goods market yeah. what you're doing with, with filthy. But you also made you started filthy with a family. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. And that's you know, that's also interesting, you know, in timing wise. You know, mm. the the thought or, or was it there's never a right time. You know, no. okay, I have a family or I have a job or I yeah. can't afford this. You had started building me and you took the leap to go ahead and do this and break new ground in a new category. And, and you did it with a family. Um, what type of pressure, responsibility, like how did that feel? You know? yeah. and, and, and what did that, what toll had that taken on you, you know, before you've gotten in a way to where you are now, because that's a that's a big space. You know, you're taking yeah. something from zero, yes. and you're trying to grow it to something, but you yeah. got all this responsibility at home too. So it's funny. You think having a, a wife and children would make you more cautious, or make a human being more cautious? Yeah. Complete opposite with me. <laughs> well, again, it's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't. You know, yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm not taking no, no. the leap because I have no, no. this, this, and this that's keeping me from taking the leap. I have the benefits and I have the security and I have all yeah. the other stuff. And for you, it's the, it was the opposite. It was the complete opposite. I thought, you know, if, if all fails, um, there are still people that love me and that I love. And that is a very strong place to build from. Mm-hmm. Um, at least it was for me, you know, I, uh, I get a huge amount of strength from, from my wife and the kids. And so, and also my relationship, I met my wife in 1999, she and I kissed and we moved in together a week later. Right. So we were having this conversation the other day. She really does know me from being somebody that didn't, you know, we were eating baked beans out of a tin and all of that sort of stuff to now having this, you know, having filthy and, and different, different opportunities. And so it's very simple to have an honest conversation. I didn't pretend to be somebody I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't love me because I had stuff. Um, she knew who I was and therefore would rather be with a happy version of me, which meant that I had to, like, I have to build stuff. Like I have to be an, I have to be an entrepreneur. I can't, I'm not good in an, in another type of environment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and my wife's pretty fearless as well. So in a way, and also she was a bit kind of in the middle of raising like, new children and being a mom and all of that stuff. So she was really, she, well, she was really, I think she was just super preoccupied with what I was doing, you know, like, 
you know, she, it was really about the kids and everything is her total focus. So if I was going off and trying to build something, it wasn't like I was a main focus for her at that time. What are you doing, honey? What, you know, what's going on? Or, or I'm doing this. It was more about, okay, just go and do your thing as long as we can keep the lights on. And there were periods when we couldn't. You know? it's, it's a really interesting point about entrepreneurship, you know, and, and that you make. And obviously, you know, go into business because you want to be, be successful. Yeah. But entrepreneurship and success and failure and, and the difference between success and yeah. failure could be, you know, minuscule. I mean, mm. it doesn't make you any less of an entrepreneur to no. start a business, okay, work the business, and then go out of business. It happens yes. all the time. Yes. Okay? And then do it over, over and over again. But I think a lot of times... There's this, I don't know, delusion, you know, if, mm. if you will, that I'm going to go become an entrepreneur. I'm going to go start something. Now I'm the boss, you know. Yeah. It's worse in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and again, the, the part that, that strikes me with it is, you know, you're committed to the journey part. You're committed to the building of something. Yeah. It's not thinking about necessarily the success or the failure or the analysis of the risk. It's, I have this idea with this thing i'm going to go and try to build it it may work it may not work we're cool if we have to be eating the beans yeah 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 again yeah because the the fulfillment and that and the happiness is, is is the process yes not necessarily like the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow now if that comes yeah great and yeah. isn't that what we what we all want yeah but if not I'll just go back and, and, and we're going to try again you know? i also think it's about being honest with yourself about what success means you know and then building everything to hit that. So let's say there's there's four different types of, of, of levels, right? There's there's having a good local business and supporting a local community and being a success locally. Mm-hmm. And then there's a business that can scale to be a, a regional business and then ultimately perhaps a national business yep. or a global business. You just have to make sure your own drive or ego or whatever you want to call it is aligned with what the potential of that business really is and whether you're the person that can continue yeah. to hit those levels. Sure. And we talked about it even in the parallel of, of, of Roe, you know, mm. something I'm involved with yeah. and Filthy yeah. and then even Inns Group. Okay? Yeah. And Roe, single location, you know, boutique mm-hmm. fitness studio, idea to have multiple, so on and so forth. But you get in, maybe you're five years into the business, and you yeah. start to evaluate, okay, where where can this go? Or are we content with where it is or, or what it is? Yeah. One one degree, you know? Does your ambition want you to go farther? You know? Yeah. Or is this enough? You look at what's happening with Filthy and think, and, and where you can take this now, yeah. you know, and scan. Okay, maybe the, the sky's the limit, you know, with it. But maybe it wasn't in the original. It always maybe, was. Right. Okay, it, again, it, for me, in my mind, right at the beginning, I aligned opportunity so no brand within garnishing no uh, buddy taking a leadership position nobody um, taking a premium a premium position and then sort of saying okay when do i run into somebody mm-hmm. there isn't anybody okay so, so it's interesting being dyslexic never getting any information from books 2006 i'm in an airport because i'm normally in airports and mm-hmm. uh there is a book on a shelf and it was before we had cell phones to bury our heads into. So it was called blue ocean strategy and I picked it up and, uh, it basically, the long and short of it is that there are two types of businesses in the world, red ocean, which is where you have a product or I have a product or a service and I have a service 
and it's very militaristic. You have a, a, a territory, I have a territory, mm-hmm. and we beat each other up and the ocean turns red with blood. The other type of business is a blue ocean strategy business. And the example they used is circus was a dying business because people didn't want to see the uh, animals. Theatre appealed to a sort of social economic type of person. And so a French-Canadian genius um, paired circus and theatre, created a billion-dollar blue ocean strategy business called Cirque du Soleil, a business without competition. So in that moment, I knew I wanted to be in a blue ocean strategy business. I knew that I would wanted to build something where building something locally or regionally or nationally wouldn't necessarily satisfy me. At that stage in my life, I wanted a bigger adventure. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if I was really capable of doing something like that. Um, and the journey began, but always with the idea of being the most recognizable cocktail garnish company in the world. Yep. Always, always. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about Huron. To date, men's skincare has been divided mainly into two categories. On one end, you got the same products that a lot of us guys have been using since high school. On the other end, you got those magic potion products, which are just silly expensive. We also probably getting a little tired of raiding our wife's stuff. Don't tell me you don't do it. I know you do it. I did it and she didn't like it. Huron has built a healthy, great smelling, great feeling line of products at price points that don't break the bank. I use Huron, my boys use Huron, and we like it so much that we invested in the company, particularly the Huron eye stick for those baggy, tired 48-year-old eyes that I have got. Love that. Boys are digging the shampoo and the conditioner, something I don't get a whole lot of use out of, being bald. But the face wash, the body wash, the moisturizer, the eye stick, it is on point. To learn more about Huron and why we like it so much, give it a try. Go to midlifemail.com forward slash partners. Would that have changed or altered your way of thinking in some way along this path the ocean became red, meaning like you haven't butted up against, yeah. okay? Yeah. Uh, that proverbial com- competition, yeah. you know, yet, okay? Yeah. You found or identified a void yeah. in the marketplace and yeah. an opportunity. You said, this is a blue ocean. Mm. I go from here to the the nth degree. Yeah. Um, have you been waiting almost for that come? Like, yeah. Like, how are you preparing yourself? How are you building your fort, if you will? How yeah. are you defending your, your turf? Are you looking like, I can't believe right now that nobody is, is trying to knock me off or my yeah. district? Or how have you prepared for that? How long does the ocean stay blue, I guess, is my question. I'm always paranoid, <laughs> right? So right all the time, I think someone's trying to kill me. So my mindset is that doesn't come from a place of um, stress. That comes from a place of preparedness. Mm-hmm. So um, I have to start with the product, what it is that I'm actually putting out into the world. And do I think somebody could make something better than us? No. Do I think they're going to be as relentless as us and look at hundreds and hundreds of varieties of olives and naturally ferment the fruit, which takes four months as opposed to four days with chemicals? Well, let's say they are. Let's say they're as, as obsessive as I am. When we fight, it will be a good fight, right? And so there are companies 
out there that have, you know, 11 generations in the cherry business, as, as an example. And it reminds me of Gandhi. So Gandhi emancipated uh, uh, India through nonviolence, right? And he had this saying, which was, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. So there are companies that laughed at us, or they ignored us, and then they laughed at us. And we're just about to fight. But I think we'll win. Because what we've got is beautiful. And irrespective of all of the stuff you put around it, you put a filthy product in someone's cocktail and someone's, and they try it, the response is immediate. Um, so I'm betting on the fact that the product is solid and everything else will build from there. But yeah, I hope I, at some point there will be a fight and I hope it's a good one, but, you know. How exhausting you know, is all of this? I mean, you go back to 07. Yeah. And we're in 18 yeah. you know, now. Um, and you talked about the amount of time you spend in airports. Yeah. Okay? Um, which takes you away from family, which puts you into hotel rooms, which takes yeah. its toll you know, on, on your overall balance. I mean, how, and your health. And I mean, yeah. how, how exhausting is this? Can I tell you something? I... I don't spend any time truthfully skewing negative. So I'm aware of the toll. At the same time, what can I actually do about it? Or do I actually want to do something about it right now? Because if I did, I just fucking would, right? I mean, I would, I'd go to the gym or I'd, or I'd, you know, so I can just do what I can do because it feels right. Mm -hmm. So, I I check in a lot. So I'm not going to tell you I don't like being in hotel rooms. I love it. I love being in hotel rooms because the truth is, it's quiet, right? I mean, life is chaotic enough as it is. I could sit here and say... I love the honesty. No, no. I mean, I could sit here and say, God, fucking hell, I hate being away and all of those things. But you know what? I'm going to be in, away anyway. So why should I spend any time hating it? No, it's pointless. It's such a waste of energy. I get in... It might be a new hotel or a new room or something like that. I'm like, okay, this is where I'm going to be for a few days. So let me find joy here. And, and like I said, that, that's the truth. Now, for the people that love me, I'm constantly checking in with them. Do you know why daddy goes away a lot? Yeah, because we need clothes or we need food or we need to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But beyond that, yeah, because daddy's a builder. Like daddy needs to build stuff. Okay. And why are we building stuff? Well, because we want to be successful. Okay, well, let's all make sure we're all aligned on what success looks like. If I think success means something and my wife think it means something else or the kids means, think it means yeah. something else, we, we're in a bad place. Mm -hmm. But all of the time when I align and I sit down with them because I have those conversations, we're aligned. And that's the key for me. And those conversations are, are crucial to have. Yeah. Um, and if you're not having them, that's where, that's where the resentment, that's where the conflict, you know, that's where the struggle really comes yeah. into play. And you mentioned, you mentioned also talking about it, you know, with the kids and taking yeah. them to their, to their level. Was that a conscious choice for both you and, and, and your wife that we want to explain this to the kids? We want to bring them into the process versus like, 
Listen, I work, I parent, you know, this, yeah. is, this is what it is. Versus, yeah, yeah. You know, being open and transparent and collaborative in the process and kind of that whole family dynamic buy-in. Yeah, I think, well, look, my situation is unique in the sense that I live in Miami, but not really around a lot of family. I mean, my brother's there, my dad's there, I love them both, but they're not in my lives. It's not like they're going to come over and look after the kids while Kim and I go out for dinner, right? Yeah. It's not, that's not the dynamic. So at some point, in truth, you put expectations on people that they're never going to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And then you just get sick of being disappointed and you realize, you know what, it's just such a waste of energy. So I'm just not. That's not who they are. That's not what they, we all need in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. Let me just find joy in the relationship that I have. So the hardest thing is being isolated. You know, like when you live in a place where you're away from, you know, your support system, yeah. that's, that's the challenge. So then what you do is you don't mourn what you don't have. You just turn inwards and you say, okay, what have I got? I've got my wife's a rock and roller. My kids are great. And now if I really listen... I need to understand how each one of them needs to feel like I love them. Not how I show love. Like, I might want to cuddle everybody, right? Maybe I'm just a really good cuddler, right? <laughs> but they might be like, I don't need to feel love that way. I just need you to listen. Or mm. I need you to spend time with me. Or I need you to um, take me somewhere. So because I have three kids, they all need to feel love in a completely different way. They're completely unique human beings. So as soon as I become conscious of that, let's say I'm away till Friday and I have the weekend, I'm like, okay, my youngest, she likes to do that. And that's how she feels like I love her. And my middle one, she needs that. And my eldest, he needs me to do that. And I'm really conscious of trying to be, to show them that I love them in the way that they need to feel love. And then you know if something's wrong. Then you know if something's not right or something's a little off and then you address it and then you bring everybody together. This has to work for you in business as well as personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because when I, when I hear you speak, obviously it's about your family and it's keeping your family happy and, and, and your kids happy, but also it's, it's very much conscious of Listening, reacting, understanding hmm. how people want to be treated, understanding yeah. how people want to be spoken to or perceived, you know, or not. Yeah. Uh, you carry that with you in business because now yeah. we talked about filthy and what your product is. Yeah. But what I also hear is, I don't know whether you make, would it matter what the widget was, what the product right. was. It's all in the approach. You know? Yes. Are you working outside again the walls of your business to make all of your customers, you know, feel this way. I hope so. Yeah. 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 Saying, okay, because what your, what your skill is and a lot of what your, your gift is, it is making those people feel or getting those people to feel, to feel good. Yeah. About for sure. themselves or to be good about the decision. And whether you were selling them a filthy cherry or a filthy olive or, yeah. um, and I want to get into this because you've actually created uh, this persona of, yeah. of yourself as filthy Daniel. Like yeah. Yeah. Like, character, you know, yeah. a bit of yourself. But is it the same approach for you with, with business? Yeah, I, yeah. for me, I don't, it's, I don't think of it as B2B or B2C. For me, it's just like me to you. And so the decision maker in a large restaurant group 
has the same, maybe slightly different considerations, but the same sensibilities, the same needs, the same desires of a partnership. So, number one, is what I'm going to, what I'm bringing to the table, my widget, going to make their lives better? Or the lives of the people that come into their bars and restaurants better? 100% yes. It's 100% yes. If they don't have filthy in the bars and they have the big gallons of oily, salty, shitty salad olives, they don't, or they haven't, they don't know there's an alternative or they don't care enough to give it to their guests. Mm -hmm. So the people that are already seeking us out have made a decision that they want to, once they discover that there's an alternative to that, want to give their guests something better. So they're already good people to begin with. Right, We all know where in our lives we compromise, but the fact that they don't want to compromise in this detail within the mm -hmm. guest experience means they're already at the forefront of what's going on anyway. And you're consciously putting yourself in those situations. Yeah, saying, Look, I sure. want to be in the room. Okay? I'm your with, partner. Right, with the right decision maker. Okay? Because you're not going to put yourself really in a room with a person who doesn't value what it is that you're, you're offering. But I tell you something that's really... I, I operate on all levels. So I'll go into a bar that might order one case every six months and I might have a meeting with Carnival Cruise Lines that buys pallets and pallets and pallets of product. It doesn't away. matter. Well, i tell you what it is. The Carnival Cruise Lines opportunity or Darden Restaurant Group or any of these wonderful partners that we have, um, for a business like mine, that's like a heavyweight fight. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have to win those to survive, to, to, to maintain a position, yeah. to keep the lights on, to employ people, to pay people what they deserve and all of mm -hmm. those things. But I'm only going to be prepared because I've done the road work and because I've hit the speed bag or because I've been skipping. Mm -hmm. All of the little um, opportunities, there's still people. It's still people that care about their guests. Yeah. They just, it's just maybe it's at a different level, but it's, it, um, from a volume standpoint, but it's equally as meaningful for them. But I just think of that as that's how I, I'll never be separated from accounts where people say you really shouldn't spend your time there. It's just not, you don't get enough return on it. For me, that's irrelevant at this point. You know, it's really irrelevant. You know, like where filthy is, everybody is, everybody has great value to us. And um, we really only being pulled into bars that care about the guests' experience. And so yeah. we should be there. I, I love it. And, and I hear it. And we deal with this also at, at the firm a lot, you know, mm. which is then, you know, you talked about you've got 40-some-odd people, you know, filthy, plus your network of distributors and sales reps and everything mm. around there. You know, we're at 100-and-something people, 115, not 100-and-something, I know it. Yeah. 115 people at, at Inns Group and growing. And you think about the accounts, you know, that, that we need to, keep the lights on yeah. and provide benefits and of a course. workforce and a culture and, and moving now, you know, to two separate floors and then the smaller, you know, accounts. And, yeah. And for me, I mean, I always, I always wrestle, you know, are we setting minimums on, on premium size or revenue yeah. or accounts or certain things? And, and to me, it's still always about the quality of, of the work, you know, that yeah. sure, do I absolutely need and go after the carnivals of the, or the larger restaurant, hospitality, food service groups? Absolutely, and we need them. We have to have them. Yeah. You know? uh, but I get just as much satisfaction and enjoyment over the 
pizza parlor, the single location pizza place totally. that is opening totally. you know, right within our neighborhood yeah. that my kids are going to go to after school that, quite frankly, would generate almost no revenue, yeah. okay? Yeah. But being able to work with that entrepreneur who has a dream, who totally. has a vision, who's gonna, and maybe you feel like, you know what? Maybe this scales also. You know, maybe this becomes the greatest Neapolitan pizza, you know, chain you know, in yeah. the country. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I think it's all interconnected. It's, you know, it's totally connected. And good, you know, good leads to greater good, you know, and like begets like. And if you're working with a good caliber of individual, a good type of business, small, medium, or large, yeah, you're doing good work. I don't want. To, I don't want bad large any more than I want bad small. No, you know, no, that, that, no. That hurts the quality of life. Yeah. It gives me no enjoyment. And also, if you operate from a place of no ego, you don't think, "Oh, I shouldn't be spending my time there," like, "Or I should." I'm of a certain value, so I should only be spending mm-hmm. time with this type of account or yep. this type of person. I think that's where things fail. They get further and further and further away from from the truth. And yeah. they build more and more and more layers to actually what's happening. And uh, for me, it's just about people. Is is you know, I have a lot of friends in hospitality that ultimately want to give their guests a great experience. And then, you know, if you're on a cruise ship, as an example, um, it may be the one vacation that that family saved up for a year. Mm-hmm. And I'll get emails, or we'll get the company will get emails, uh, or get hit up on social media. Oh, I discovered the filthy picker, or I discovered. Um, the filthy black cherry on the bar and it was part of our vacation like it made our vacation mm-hmm. so the fact that we can be one small part of that experience it's great it's all good like ultimately I'm just trying to create good and hopefully people will see that and the result of that will be success, something successful you set out for the, with the blue ocean yeah, and for you sure. set out to be the you say it so much better, but the the greatest you know, garnish, okay, beverage garnish company in you know in the world. Mm. How close are you? Yeah. I'll never feel like I've made it. That's 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 the thing. I'm trying to climb Everest. I'm trying to climb a mountain with a peak I may never reach. It's not about that. I'll never feel close enough. Uh, even if we pick up every day, we pick up another big account or somebody chooses to be our partner in the space. I don't feel um, like I've made it or that something's great. I'm grateful, but I just keep until literally until every bar or restaurant or liquor store or supermarket or somebody making a cocktail has our products in it. I will never feel like I've been successful. And that will never happen. Understood. Um, But is there an arc, you know? Mm. Or, okay, we'll go back to your Shakespeare. Is there kind of a beginning, middle, and an end to to this journey? Where either you or your family or your, whether it's entrepreneurial, vision might be, more fully realized yeah. monetarily, whatever it be, or all of a sudden maybe there's there's a new thing to build, you know, in in here. Um, yeah. And and how do you see that as you kind of are now? You know, kids are getting older. You're in your forties. You mentioned earlier. You know, 
maybe I need to get some of my personal stuff, you know, back yeah. in line or yeah. take a little better care of myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of these, these things change as, as life changes. And they've got yeah. to be bars and hotels and other places out there that no matter how hard you try, yeah. they're not going to want it. No. You know, I mean, no, no. I've realized that, I mean, there have been accounts or businesses or people that I have gone after for a long period of time thinking I would be perfect for you or this would be perfect for you or we should be friends even and they just don't want no. me no, no, no. <laughs> and at a certain point you go oh okay like I guess you really don't want me you know yeah. and now I'm going to pivot am I and, and I'm not going to chase you know yeah chase certain things anymore yeah I uh you know I feel like I'm so in the middle of it that I almost, um, it's not that I don't know where I'm going, right? I know, I know that I need to keep growing and I need to be in more markets and, and, uh, more people need, certainly need to raise awareness for what we're doing and all of that sort of thing. But, um, I, I, I will never make it in my mind. The second I, the second I even feel closer to that, I think I'm not going to be hungry. Do you think, again, I'm listening going, well, that's probably, like you say that, and that's why you'll make it, you know, yeah, yeah. outside 100%. of the end, and I feel that way, like. But that's how I'm wired. Like, I'm, I'm wired to feel, I'm wired to feel like, for me, there's a part of me that won't ever feel successful. And that's the part that drives me. Now, that's not because everybody told me I was going to be, make nothing of my life. It's not, it's not really about any of that. It's about innately within me. I just have to keep moving. Like I have to keep doing stuff to feel worth, to feel self-worth. Mm -hmm. And that's where you're deriving gratification. That's where you're yeah. deriving happiness from. And you're yeah. saying, okay, you could line my pockets or I could land this account, but guess what? I'm just coming back for more. Yeah. 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 There's more, there's more, there's more. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a character trait or personality trait. Of yeah. Type A prolific entrepreneurs yeah, yeah. that are. I get up and I go to work every day because that's what I really enjoy doing. Yeah. I get on the plane, okay, to go put this product into more hands because yeah. that's what I really enjoy doing. I would do it, you know, man to man, face to face yeah. with the bartender in the tiny yeah. little bar in the corner. You know? Yeah, yeah. The same way I would do it with the CEO, you yeah. know, of Marriott. I want to get up and live life every day, so. For me, my life has been um, formed around a business and around my wife and my kids. So I choose every day, am I going to engage fully and like just absolutely drive the fucking wheels off that day or am I just going to not? And in my world, it's not, you know, I don't think, yeah, filthy is, I don't really think of it like I'm working. I, clearly, I'm working. I don't want to sound like a wanker. I'm, I'm clearly working to make money, to provide opportunity. Mm -hmm. The result of working hard will be more money and the business will scale. It's not about that. It's about I can't do anything else than be an entrepreneur, than, than build stuff, than build filthy right now. It's not even about stuff. It's about mm -hmm. making filthy as good as it can be. Filthy is like one of my kids. So now it's about is filthy going to fulfill its potential? It's a singular focus. I mean, it's a, it's a total it's a singular, singular focus. focus. Do you think that that is necessary for everybody? Or, and I'm asking more from a 
from a multitask or from a focus standpoint. I think you have to really take... Do you have any other hobbies, okay? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I like, but, but it's not... It's not because I don't find joy in that stuff. Like, like I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal supporter. I'm a, I'm a soccer fan. I grew up supporting Arsenal. I love football. Um, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of how they're doing and what's going on in that whole universe. Um, at the same time, I'm on a mission. Like, I'm, I'm 100% on a mission. So I've decided what that means in my own mind. And I'm living that so you have to be relentless i can't say you have to be relentless i have to be fucking relentless because if i'm not relentless i'm not gonna survive how do you find you can't do it alone so how are you finding other relentless um, yeah individuals team team members culture i mean how are you what, what are you doing and how do you approach building that, that culture? How does somebody get on, you know, get on your team and mm. then how do they get off, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or how do you, how do you yeah. get them out? So, so the first part of it, how do they get on the team? Um, so certain characteristics, but ultimately, um, we, number one, they can't skew negative. They have to be joyful by nature. So I think of myself, I said this to you before, I've said to you probably many times, I kind of feel like a comet that's going across the sky that's on fire. Like I'm constantly burning. So when you're young of that nature, that that energy, that fire becomes destructive because you just don't know how to deal with it. And then as you get a little bit older, you think, okay, I could, I can light up a room or I could just take suck all the air out of it because I'm, I'm this being that's got all of this fire around me, right? So if I want to, I could just burn everything down if I, if, if if I want to be destructive. Mm-hmm. And then what you realize is, or what I realized was, all of that other stuff is such a waste of energy. Like I can take this fire, this, this energy that's around me like a burning comet going through the sky, and I can actually harness that and then create warmth or light or all of those other things. Ultimately, the balance is, do you burn yourself out? Mm-hmm. As, yeah. you're, as you're creating this energy around you to, to build something or to give people the life that they want or to inspire them every day or whatever it might be. So as far as who can come on this journey, they have to, well, they, they, they 100% have to make a sound that I can hear. Uh-huh. And I have to make a sound that they can hear and not everybody can hear it. So certain people connect with each other because they, in my mind, they're making a sound that I can hear. I feel them mm-hmm. and I get their, I get that they're kind. Number one, they have to be, the, the number one above everything else, they have to be kind human beings. Um, because filthy is kind of do the right thing, whatever the cost. So you have to be a pretty um, selfless human being, a pretty kind human being to kind of do the right thing, even if it's going to hurt you yeah. in, that short, in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like killers. Like, if I'm honest about it, like I... Just, <laughs> well, yeah, because... Well, yeah. Like, without skipping a beat. No, no, but I... I kind killer. No, but I like people that want to win. Like... I like people that want that are like I said that are relentless and, and that want to uh, that want to um, make something of themselves mm-hmm. so that are hungry. So 
Um, now, there are types of killers, right? There are like a cheetah that's really good out of the gates. For, you know, hit 70 miles an hour, great for a couple of hundred yards. As soon as the shit hits the fan or they don't quite get where they want to need to get to, they just burn out. It, there's the other ones, this relentless pursuit until they actually get it, knowing they may not get it today, they may not get it tomorrow, but mm -hmm. at some point they're going to get it. They're the people that gravitate towards what we're doing and they're the people I gravitate towards. I can't explain what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a desire, it's a hunger, but not sacrificing for the short term. And that's where the kindness comes in. I'm going to continually be kind. I'm going to continually do the right thing because I know at the end of the day, I'm going to get there. Where do people find filthy foods right now? If you're listening to this at mm. home, if you're out and about, where are they finding filthy and, and, what, are they, and what are they looking for? Yeah, so, so if you like making cocktails, so first of all, let's look at the context. The content of what I do is olives and cherries and beautiful garnishes. The context is cocktails. So if you're having a party, if you're going to a bar, if you're a ritualistic martini drinker that works hard and then comes home and takes their chilled glass out of the freezer, if you're using a garnish, it should be filthy. So if you're in a bars and restaurants, uh, you'll find them. Uh, and uh, also in, uh, here in Texas, you'll find us in Specs mm -hmm. and uh, some of the other retailers, Goody Goodies. And, and um, yeah. Um, so why do we call it filthy? I think that's probably yeah, I, the... Yeah, I was just going to also uh, yeah. say, you know, we went 50, 50 minutes already and yeah. I'm staring at the T-shirt the whole time with the name. But let's, yeah. let's get back to... Yeah. Okay, when you're looking for it, what are you seeing? And what yeah, but, what, and why filthy, but why filthy? But why filthy? Premium yeah. garnish. Yeah, yeah. So, so as I said, Mark's my partner, and you can tell from my accent, I'm not from these parts, all right? So, uh, in England, it's pissing down all the time, and as kids, we were outside just getting covered in mud and really happy and playing. And my mum would always be like, Look at you, you're bloody filthy. The pair of you, you're bloody filthy. And then all the way through life, it's never been about dipping our toe in or getting a little bit dirty. It's about getting filthy in everything because that's where the joy is. Commit fully to the moment, commit fully to the experience, and that is filthy. And so that's going all the way to the end. So if you're spending time buying premium spirits and you've got nice glassware and you're using proper ice, why would you want to put something shitty in it? You wouldn't. So you'll find us. There you go. Daniel Singer, founder, CEO, entrepreneur, Filthy Foods. Go check it out. It's filthyfoods.com. Yeah, filthyfood.com. Filthyfood.com. And uh, or you can find me on Instagram, Filthy Daniel. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Midlife Mail Podcast. Please leave us that five-star rating, that positive review. If you want to reach out to me, greg at midlifemail.com. Let me know what you think, comments, questions I should ask, men we should have on the show. Subscribe to the newsletter at gregscheinman.com. And let's go. I'll see you next week.